Hello, my friends. Katie Day with the Movement to Texas team here with another episode of the Real Advice Podcast. Excited for this week's guest. Not only is she a team leader, but also a broker owner of her own brokerage. So I'm excited to dig into lots of different facets of the real estate business. Please join me in welcoming Kendall Bonner from Tampa, Florida. What is going on? Hey, Katie. So excited to be here and I appreciate and am honored. Well, thank you for joining. I'm excited to have got this set up. So for those that may not know you, who are you and how'd you get into real estate? Great question. So, um, wow, what is my story? How does it begin? Um, I got into real estate back in 2011 and that was after, um, having a a very successful uh, legal career. So I'm a lawyer. Some people don't know that. So most people do. But yeah, I graduated from law school back in 2003. I was 24 years old, got married on Saturday, graduated law school on Sunday. And by Tuesday, I was in the car with my husband driving from Los Angeles, California to Tampa, Florida. And um, it's been a, a wild ride. I did a couple of things as a lawyer, did a couple of different practice areas. And honestly, I was bored and got my real estate license back then thinking it would be for fun and part time. Little did I know. (laughs) How quickly did you go from like part time and thinking that this was going to be like a hobby thing to like it being your career? Um, Actually, it happened within 30 days. (laughs) (laughs) So super fast. It was. I took the exam, hung my license with the brokerage. That was like at the end of February, went to every training they had to offer in March. And by the end of it, at the end of March, I said to my husband, I said, listen, I'm not taking any more clients. Um, I'll finish out the cases I have, but I'm going to be a full-time real estate professional and love you, peace and bye-bye kind of thing. And I, I jokingly say, but I still think this is true. It took him probably about six or seven years to forgive me. For doing that to him. <laughs> oh, that's been most of your real estate career. I mean, <laughs> yeah, um, right. Man, what a whirlwind of getting into the business and like, uh, like graduating, moving, all of the things. Um, do you feel like your your previous career, like in law, helped you as far as you know, with negotiations and contracts and just being organized in real estate, or do you feel like it was it was different? It was a thousand percent, but even more than just what is obvious, you know, yes, obviously with negotiations and, um, you know, understanding contracts and real property. I mean, those are contracts and real property are your two classes you have to take. They're mandatory for your law uh, law school. Okay. Right. My two least favorite classes in law school, by the way. (laughs) But um, yeah, but what it really prepared me for, honestly, were it was actually the things I wasn't expecting, which was had to lead generate and lead convert, right? So having our own law firm was much like starting my real estate career. It was eat what you kill. Yeah. If you don't kill, you don't eat. There yeah. was that. Then also too, we were doing bankruptcies at the time when I transitioned. So these were people coming into the office to meet with us, trying to, they were interviewing a bunch of lawyers, trying to figure out who yeah. was going to get them the outcome they were looking for that they were hoping for. And so there was that whole get someone to uh, talk to them on the phone, get them to come in and meet with you, have a consultation. And then in a span of an hour, get them to know, like, and trust you and commit to working with you and freaking yeah. give you money to, yeah. you know, pay you to do a job for them. And so it taught me how to script. 
how to sell myself, how to have confidence, how to objection handle. I mean, it taught me all those things. And so then when I transitioned into real estate, I was a listing agent right away. And that was like the beginning of my career. And it like, it was a perfect skill set transition for me that it just, I mean, I used to take listings in my law office. I didn't, yeah. you know, as opposed to going to people's homes. Yeah. So, I mean, it truly impacted my real estate career and, and made me better at it than I think I would have been had I done anything else prior to real estate. Well, and everything that you're saying, like that you were doing as a lawyer is like basically what we teach agents, right. In how to build their business and how to have those conversations and to build that rapport and, to you know, earn the business. So, um, I can imagine that that was a pretty good segue. So yeah. Um, that's helpful there. If you were a brand new agent today, or if you're giving someone advice that they like, they just got their license, they're going to go hang it with a brokerage. Like, would you have done it the same way? Like if you were repeating it today, knowing what you know now, or, you know, what advice would you give to someone if they were a brand new agent? So obviously don't go to law school to become a realtor. <laughs> like that's not necessary. A, but... a little bit longer and expensive of a path to, to yeah. you know go take a couple hundred hours of classes. Right. No, but um, what I would say to someone getting into uh, real estate is, you know, a couple of things, right? I have read some really fabulous books lately, and I would highly recommend as a new licensee getting digging into those books. I'll give you those in a second. Um, the second thing, though, I would also recommend is joining a team as opposed to trying to be an independent agent and brokerage, unless you have a very, very, very strong sales background. Like you, this is a, a second or third career for you, and you you know sales in and out, like skill, sales skills and strategies, and you have a very strong sphere of influence. Like if you don't have those two things or you have a like strong lead generation marketing background, if you don't have those three things kind of coming into real estate, it's really hard to, in my opinion, figure all that stuff out without spending and wasting a ton of time, money and energy on the front end. So it's like and then there's all these other things you have to learn on top of that. So if you can come in, join a team let them take care of those things for you, then just get comfortable with the business and get comfortable with like, you know, the industry and the, all the hills and valleys that come with it. Then, you know, after that, you know, the world is your oyster, right. And you can do whatever you'd like, but um, those would be my two biggest pieces. And like some of the books that I've read recently that I think are just kick-ass are Atomic Habits. I don't know why it took me so long to read that book, but that was a, game changer. I believed in it so much by James Clear. I created a workbook for my agents and we did it as a team and went through it, you know, law by law. We would have discussion time around it each week. And I mean, I probably listened to the book three or four times during this process. And like, cause you know, it's about not just reading the book, but like turning it into implementing. Yeah. Yeah. Like how do we implement it and, and make it tactical? Um, so that was a kick-ass book. Another really um, awesome book that I read um, recently was Exactly What to Say by Phil Jones. And it was tweaked for real estate with yep. Chris Smith, like, yep. you know, um, that that part. <laughs> it's yes. like so good if you're going to be a, a real estate professional, because whether you're prospecting or you're you're dealing with your sphere, you need to know like the kind of language you should be using, the transition phrases, the sales skills that are going to be necessary to make you a better real estate professional, right? At the end of the day and just help you do more transactions. And so knowing exactly what to say does that. And then the third book I'm reading right now that um, we're listening to and reading is um, Chris Foss, 
Um, oh gosh, the negotiation book, never split yep. the difference. Yep. Now my husband and I are like, we are really into this book. It's so interesting. And he uses his DJ voice and like <laughs> he talks about, he uses his uh, career as an FBI agent to teach these like skills and these strategies with using stories that are very interesting at the same yeah. time. And then, you know, but he also makes it practical because he's taught classes. So he has like real people who have employed his tactics outside of like this life or death situation. Right. Cause you question my husband, and I even questioned like, does this stuff work? It's life and death. Of course, you know, yeah. that's, that's not real estate though. Right. So um, anyway, it, it's been, those three books would be my most recent top three books. I highly recommend reading. I could probably give a list much longer <laughs> <yet>. out there. <laughs> yeah. Atomic habits has always been one of my favorites. I think that, there's just so many small takeaways throughout the book, you know, that it's, it's beneficial, you know, reading it once, reading it twice, as, as you said, you created an entire workbook. So you read it many times and listened to it many times. And like every time I've read it, I've had a different takeaway, right? It hits me at a different point in my career or my mindset or whatever it may be. Um, and that exactly what to say, we, I, I literally just bought like 50 copies of it for my team and to give away as gifts and to send to other agents. It's, um, one of my favorites. And then Chris Voss is just an absolute master with, with words. And I, those, those two exactly what to say. I never split the difference. I think are great. Uh, like with the no based questions for Chris Voss, like, would it be crazy if, you know, cause I want you to say no. Right. Or, uh, is it ridiculous to meet, you know, or things like that? Like you like, don't yeah. want to say, you know, so, um, so good. Yeah. Do you, so you said you listen, so you listen to like audiobooks. I do. I'm into podcasts, Audible. Yeah. Um, I'm a reader. Like I have a Kindle that poor thing is like so old. So it probably needs to be upgraded. I've been reading digital um, digital books probably for about 10, 12 years now. And um, because I'm such a big, heavy reader. Um, and then, uh, yeah. And then I love YouTube. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 learning. So those are kind of my three, three avenues for which I like to um intake information. I find like with audible, sometimes I'll listen to a book, but then it's like a business book, like, you know, an atomic habits. And it's like, well, I want to like have this to where I can highlight the book and underline and stuff. So I'll end up buying the book to like reread it, you know, the actual words, um, which I always find to be funny. Um, I do. Cause you know, I do the same. I listen to it audible and I buy the book too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All good. So um, I know obviously you've, you've had the brokerage and you said recently you started a, your team as well. So I thought that you had had the team for a while. Maybe it was just when we met, I didn't realize that it was newer. Um, how has that been going? Yeah. So um, like I said, I got into real estate in 2011. I started my brokerage in 2014. And when I did that, I had a team actually when I was, I was at KW at the time when okay. I got recruited for Remax. And so I had a team, meaning it was myself. I had a buyer's agent and then I had an assistant. And um, when I started my brokerage, I broke up the team because I just thought like uh, that was not what the identity talking about atomic habits that I wanted to have. I wanted to identify as a broker owner. And eventually I knew I would get out of production. That was the plan. Um, and I would just, you know, be the broker owner. And so um, for years after starting the brokerage, my husband kept telling me we should start a team. We should start a team. And I was like, I just had a team. I don't want a team again. I'm not, I couldn't, I could not identify with being a team leader again. Um, 
for many, many, many years. And for, I just couldn't see it. And um, I kept telling him, no, no, no. And finally, about, um, I would say almost about a year and a half ago. So that would be 18 months. So let's say uh, 20, 20 months ago, um, I finally realized that I had a skill set that I was in a way kind of just wasting that I had acquired through all my learning, through all my um, uh, just trying to gain information and knowledge and all the studying I was doing and the podcasts I was listening to and just things like that I was gaining this access to this information that was being wasted in my brokerage. And so um, I finally realized I was like, you know what, if I started a team, I could use this knowledge. I could like see, test this, you know, I've started this thing. I used to say this hashtag learn, test, teach. Like that's kind of my passion. I like to learn things, test them and then share with others, like what I learned so they can kind of bypass the mistakes that, you know, get made along the way. And so, you know, what I, when I started the team, what I was looking to, to practice and to do was, you know, I had gained, you know, all these relationships with these prop tech companies, right? So I had a vision for what um, real estate could be doing. And then um, I also, um, like, some just some changes that were coming. Like, I could see it ahead, I, um, these, these changes. Then I also realized I had this affinity for marketing, right, and lead generation, and um, also because of relationships and just knowledge and things. And then also, too, I realized, like, there's this gap for – two groups of agents. The first group of agents I saw a huge gap for was new licensees, right? There's just not a lot of help for a brand new licensee trying to transition into the business. Um, Half the time, they don't know what they don't know. They don't know where to start. They don't know what, you know, what the next steps are. And so I was like, okay, I can help them. We have trained my, between my husband and I, we have trained so many agents. I've done public speaking. Like I kind of know where the gaps are. The second group of agents that I realized my team could help is that group of agents who they don't have enough business from their sphere of influence to like build the lifestyle they aspire to live. (laughs) So because they don't have, they need other opportunities, right? So I, I always start a conversation with people, you know, there's two groups of people, people you know, and people you don't know, you know, which one's bigger, right? Obviously the people you don't know. And then the second question I ask is which one should we be working with? And people always give me um, one or the other. And I shouldn't say always, I think twice someone's given me the right answer, which is both, right? (laughs) You need to be talking to people you know and people you don't know. And um, And so because of that, you know, most agents focus on one or the other and not both. And so to me, the, the team presents an opportunity for us to work on both. You work on your sphere. I'll work on providing you people you don't know. And then we blend these two together. And then now you're producing enough revenue and income to support the lifestyle you desire to live. So that's where that came from. And that's how I got here. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. 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 No, I, I like that a lot. Um, you know, and I think that we have a similar thing when people ask like, well, what, do, what do leads look like or what do opportunities look like on the team? And it's the same thing, right. Of like, you know, we're going to help you to maximize your sphere. There are team provided leads and then you're expected to also generate leads as well. Right. And so there's a lot of different avenues, you know, for that to occur for sure. I think the other thing too, is for, for brand new agents, 
Um, you know, it's difficult as a broker owner, I'm sure, you know, cause there's that fine line between, you know, you're an independent contractor, but like, if you would just do as I say, you could, you know, be so successful in this business. And for many broker owners, they're like, you know, we give all of the information out, but people don't choose to take it. And by having a team, you're able to give a little bit more clear direction and input to agents for them to be able to succeed. Um, and so I think that's a win-win, especially when you're a team leader and the broker owner. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the expectations are different, right? That's the biggest difference between a brokerage and a team leader. You know, someone joining a team is expecting that level of uh, of leadership that's a little bit more hands-on, a little more like, hey, um, I'll provide the process and you take the action, right? So, I, you know, like we have a saying on our team, it's done for you, not by you, you know, because that's part of the challenge of being a real estate professional. There's so many things to do that, you know, it's helpful if someone else will do it for you. And and that, and in exchange, it's just an exchange of value, right? And so because I do more, the value exchange is higher. Um, whereas like on the brokerage level, a lot of agents come to brokerages mm-hmm. and avoid a team because they don't want all those services. They want, they don't want someone telling them what to do or how to do it. They just want guidance when they need it. Right. And so for yeah. them, the exchange of value there is much lower because they're saying, Hey, I don't need you as much. I expect less from you. So I should have to pay less. And that's fair and that's yeah. fine. Right. But the problem for someone like me is I can't make a living like that, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and so, you know, it's like the numbers have to be, you know, that's why the most, a lot of the most successful brokerages are the ones with like, uh, you know, was it like it's low um, margin, high volume, right? So lots of agents and lots of transactions yeah. and you make a little bit off of each one, right? That's yeah. the majority of the most successful brokerages out there. You know, um, and that model does work, you know, just like the team model works. Right. It's just a matter of yeah. who the audience is and who the agents are that are affiliating with it. So there's a need. Well, for so you've had a broke. Uh, no, I mean, for sure. And that's like there's so many different types of brokerages, so, so many different types of teams. And like there's there's fits for everyone. Um, with that being said, I mean, you've had your brokerage now for almost 10 years. Right. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Like nine eight, nine years. Um, what do you think has been the biggest change over that time just with the industry? Oh gosh. What's the biggest change? Um, I think that, well, obviously teams are one of the biggest changes. Teams were not as big or not, um, as dominant 10 years ago as they are today. It's not that they didn't exist. In fact, it's the ones that started back then that are probably some of the biggest, (laughs) strongest teams today. Yeah. But, you know, because they they trailblazed, right? But, um, you know, just they were not as prominent as they are today, I would say. That's a huge difference. I think another huge difference between 10 years ago and now is, you know, all the investigations, the lawsuits, uh, some of the trauma around real estate. Like, you know, it was very traumatic if you were a real estate professional from like 2008 to 2012 easily. Um, and then if you got in the industry, you know, anytime after that, you watched a, an increase or an incline of the industry. Yeah. And and I, I say to people all the time, if you've been or had your real estate license or got your real estate license in the last 15 years, I don't know if we've ever known a normal market, right? It was either going up, going down, or, you know, it's just been a kind of this like constantly um, evolving and changing market. And it wasn't yeah. very like steady or consistent for any like length of time. 
So, you know, it's yeah. been recovering, you know what I mean? Like in some fashion, yeah. it's either in a decline or recovering. And then, you know, what we just experienced <laughs> over the last 18 or last two years is pretty crazy, you know, and then now people don't know what to do with themselves, you know, and really it's like, okay, guys, it, you know, we had to have known that what happened between 2021 and 2022 could not last forever. It was just not sustainable. Yeah. So why are we shocked? What did we expect? And, you know, and it's like, uh, I saw a statistic the other day, someone, one of the media outlets posted, you know, days on market are up 60%. And I was like, okay, well, what were the days of market? It went from eight days to 29 days. Of course, it's going to be like, but you and I yeah. know 29 days on market is still a, a fantastic market for sellers. You know what I mean? So it's just the interpretation of data. I think, you know, the data is out there and there's tons of it, but the interpretation of it has become more important today um, and putting it into context um, yeah. than before. No, that's huge. And I think that, I mean, in, in understanding what 2020 and 2021 were, you know, whenever I'm looking at data, the year over year data does always look so terrible, right? Like for days on market, oh, it's, you know, 50% more, it's a hundred percent, you know, whatever it is. Um, but then when you look at 2019, it's like, oh, but we're still less than this, or we're still more than this in, in what was a pre-pandemic world. So um, yeah, I mean, I definitely think that 2023 is going to be an interesting year. So with that being said, with 2023, like what you know, as we talk about a shifting market or a shifted market, we're definitely not in the same market we were, you know, in 2020 and 2021, right? So like going into 2023, being in a new year, what advice would you have for agents? Like, you know, you hear a lot of going, get back to the basics, you know, focus on this, focus on that. Like what advice or what tactical things are you telling your team or and are you telling your brokerage? Yeah, I mean, yes, basics are always great. But at the same time, I think that we need to lean on, to me, I would say lean on technology um, more than we have in the past. Like I, I'm, I'm still stuck on a CRM, for example. It's like there's the majority of agents don't use a CRM, you know, unless they're on a team and, and it's because the team leader makes them use it, right? It's required. <laughs> but, you know, independent agents, um, you know, and I'm sure even some teams, you know, it's like, you need to rely on technology to help make you more efficient, right? And that's why you use it. It's, it's not to replace you, but to just make you more efficient at what you do and provide a better experience to the consumer. So, you yeah. know, to me, I think technology in 2023 is going to be huge and vastly important, especially since the majority of consumers today are used to technology. It's like Instacart, right? I mean, I haven't stepped foot in a grocery store since 20, March 2020 because... <laughs> Of Instacart. I didn't have to. Like even yeah. after the pandemic, I, I mean, it's just still more efficient. I pay more for to get my time back. So I could sit at my desk and do the things that I want to be doing as opposed to, you know, standing in line at the grocery store. You know, the cons every consumer has that efficiency mindset and people, yeah. statistics show people will pay more for convenience. You know, people will pay more for value perceived, right? It's yeah. like the difference between coach and Louis Vuitton. You know, I make a joke. It's like I went from a broker, I could afford coach. Now I'm a team leader, I can afford Louis. You know, like it's yeah, that's, that's not necessarily untrue. <laughs> you know, I'm just keeping it real. So, uh, you know, um, it's, I mean, it's a joke, but I mean, it's still you will pay more for the things that you perceive to be of higher value, right? So um, 
So if for agents going out there, the goal needs to be about providing more value. And how do you do that? By providing efficiencies, by providing the type of technology that makes that enhances your customer's experience. Like those are the things that I would say going into 2023, we need to focus on. Another thing too, I think is, you know, I know we saw a lot of, um, we've seen a lot of movement in the prop tech world and the iBuyers, mm-hmm. Um, you know, power buyers. I'm now um, trying to coin e-buyers, which those are those equity buyers, that fractional home ownership. I do think that's mm-hmm. the future um, because it's about making home ownership more affordable because prices, yeah. you know, are probably going to continue to hold steady and continue to increase over time. Um, and so, you know, and our our pay and our income just as a society doesn't advance or doesn't increase at the same rate, right. While the cost of living continues to rise. And so, um, and we still, you know, our debt country, like our, our culture is very debt oriented, right. We'll go into debt for (laughs) very easily. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, And not always for all the right reasons. Katie, you did a great video the other day. I saw about, you know, how you can use debt to your advantage. Right. But, um, and how you you need it to kind of like again that just shows your culture. It's like you almost you need debt in order to have a good credit score in order to buy a house, you know. Yeah. So it's like we reward debt. <laughs> um, and so, but I still believe that home ownership is the path to wealth and um, and generational wealth. There's such a huge discrepancy amongst like again African American families compared to white families in the U.S. Um, because of homeownership and the lack thereof. And so to me, those things are super important. So I would say also in 2023, getting educated um, about diversity and diversity and homeownership and like some of the issues around that so that we can increase um, the homeownership rates amongst um, our middle class and our lower middle class um, through these options that are available, you know, like through iBuying, power buying, and, um, you know, those equity buyers, the e-buyers, I keep, I want to keep saying. So, yeah. you know, those things to me are, are where we should be looking in the future. And, you know, those rent to own programs, I think are also really interesting. Um, I know a lot of people don't love them, but they're a path to home ownership. And for the right person, they don't work for everyone, but for the right person, yeah. it could be the difference between um, staying a renter for the rest of their lives and or having a plan and a path to home ownership. So who are we to judge how they get there? Our job is just to present the options and help them achieve the goal that they've set out for themselves. Yeah. With a lot of the rent to own, my only my only problem is is the consumer perception in my mind of them is that I'm paying rent and that's going to go towards me buying a house. But for a lot of the larger companies, you know, that do those programs, it's like, no, you have the option to purchase and it doesn't really give you a ton as far as equity in the property or money towards your down payment. You're just still paying your rent. And so that's where, you know, when we can actually do a consultation with someone, it's normally like if we can find you a down payment assistance program or, you know, whatever it may be, that's normally the better option. But like, you know, it, uh, if if there was a true like rent to buy like rent to own, yeah, I would be a, I mean, a way I bigger see, fan. I see like, do you know Landis? And Landis is not in every state. I don't but, know. I don't, I don't know if we have it here. We have like Divi and Home Partners of America here. Um, yeah, like the option to purchase after a certain amount of time. Yeah, like I think Landis one of their like 
talking point, just to your point, because I agree with you, Katie, Mm -hmm. I absolutely do. Like the consumer has to be educated on what they are and what they are not paying for. But um, if I recall correctly, Landis actually takes a portion of that rent and puts it aside for their down payment. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I mean, that's that's helpful. Yeah. I mean, and we, we need programs like that. Right. Um, and sometimes people just need time. And like I said, there's a lot of different reasons why a c- customer may need any one of these various programs. It's yeah. not our job, in my opinion, to sell any of them so much as be able to speak to them and guide them on what option is in their best interest. Right. Like for them to make an educated decision, um, not so much telling them what oh, no, don't do that, but or don't yeah. do this, or you've got to buy a house. Like, I believe we don't sell houses. We are selling services. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I sure. can't make you buy or sell a house, but what I can do is make sure when you are ready to buy or sell a house, you're going to want to talk to me because you know I know how to help you. So yeah. that's where I would say, you know, what our, yeah. our goals could be in 2023. No, for sure. I mean, and I think, I think that that's huge. I think that... um it's certainly going to be an interesting year, you know, as far as economically, as far as, you know, we know not as many homes are going to sell this year as, you know, did in, in 2020 and 2021. So it's definitely just going to be interesting to see how kind of everything shakes out uh, as the year, as the year goes on. Yeah. Can I ask you a question, Katie? Of course. What do you got? What are you looking for in 2023 as far? What would you advise someone to focus on in 2023? I want to hear from you. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I think that we're like, and I, I hate the, like the, the basics or whatever, but I think that the biggest thing that we're focusing in on with our team is the differentiators. Right. And so, you know, we went through the other day and kind of wrote down, like, if you're going to give that extra 1%, like, where is it going to be for you? Right. And everyone kind of gave their this is this is where what I'm committed to for for the next year and mm-hmm. and what I'm committed to doing above and beyond. Right. So like say, you know, you're gonna do an open house. Instead of just doing the open house, are you going to also circle dial around the open house and go door knock? And you're gonna put out 30 signs instead of 20, right? And like what are those little things that you can do? Mm-hmm. Because if we know that there's gonna be 25% less home selling next year, but we wanna sell double that we sold this year, like we're gonna have to do something different. We can't expect to do the same. Um, and I think we're moving from a very um, lucky market. Like there's so many people that got into real estate and did very well over the past two years. And like, you know, many of that was market-based. It wasn't skills-based that our focus is on the skills and the differentiators for for the next year. So um, it looks different for each person on my team um, and kind of what they want their business to be. But um, for me, it's just like, how can we push a little bit more on everything that we do? Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah, I and I neglected to mention like our um, part of our core focus and our our niche is about having the right mindset, skill set, tool set. And I know I spend Ooh, a lot. Of I like that tool set a lot, but yeah, you know, mindset. Like to your point, you know, mindset and skill set are also you know so important and valuable. And so for me, like I would say too, in twenty twenty three, that's we're going to continue focusing on those three areas and yeah just deep diving into making sure our agents have the best mindset, skill set, and tool set. So no, I, I like the the three. I always like it when things are easy to remember because uh, I don't have the best memory. So like when it's something that rolls off the tongue like that, you know, that you can remember, it's like an alliteration. Uh, yep. Those those work well for me because I can remember them. So definitely yeah, no, steal that one from you. 
Oh yeah. Same for me. I'm an English major. And so everything is alliteration. It's uh, acronyms. I mean, I'm, I'm all those things because it, it allows me to remember the things that are important to me that um, I want to stay focused on. <laughs> I like it. All right. Um, I'm going to hit you with, Oh, actually, let me ask you, I have two questions. So one okay. is uh top podcast that you've been listening to. You said you like podcasts a lot. Um, what's one that you would recommend someone pick up to help them with, you know, mindset, skill set, tool set? Okay. Yeah. So, um, I have, so there's one, I have a favorite and it's called, um, social media marketing with Michael Zellner. Selsner, okay. Selsner. Sorry, I don't know why I'm giving making his name incorrect, saying it incorrectly. Selsner. Um, it has nothing to do with real estate, but it has everything to do with social media. Like and it. he just talks. It's just it's a marketing though podcast, and I love it um, because I've learned so much from them. Doesn't matter what platform you're marketing on, he talks about all of them, and he brings in guests that like specialize in certain things. And I just I have learned so much from that podcast. So that would probably be, um, other than yours, a podcast I would recommend <laughs> that people also pick up. Um, I feel like I feel like I always tell people when they're looking for like creative direction or marketing direction or things like that, like stop looking at what other real estate agents are doing, right? And like I, so when you have those marketing podcasts or creative people to follow outside of the industry, I feel like that always gives you better ideas and more innovative ideas to to implement. Um, and then everyone, everyone can copy you, you know, a hundred percent. I agree. All right. So I will hit you with the last question. It's hard hitting. So if you need some time to think about it, I completely understand. But if it were your last meal on earth, what would you be eating? Tacos. <laughs> no hesitation. I love it. What, um, do you have a particular like kind that's like your type that you just always will eat no matter what? I love so I love like those mom and pop Mexican restaurants. Remember, I'm from Southern California. Um, and so I love like those uh, corn tortilla, little corn tortilla with either carne asada or carnitas, um, onions and cilantro, yep. some salsa, hot sauce kind of thing. Yep. And like, like, ah, golden. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Do you have any good places near you in Florida? Yeah. So there's a, a really like kind of, um, oh my gosh, they're like a, a container and their tacos gone mobile. And okay. so it is like some um, women in there that like cook up the good stuff and I get it delivered to my office all the time and or home, like I'll pay yeah. for them to drive 45 minutes to bring it to my house. True story. <laughs> it's funny you say that because earlier when you're talking about like paying for convenience and using Instacart and getting groceries delivered and all that, like I'll sometimes go online to like Uber Eats or any other food delivery service and I'll see the prices, right? And they're marked up from like if you were to just walk up to the taco shop and buy a taco yeah. and I'm like looking at my phone, looking at the price, thinking about do I really want to get in my car and drive there? And I'm like, nope, let me just order it. And so yeah. the, the paying for convenience thing is I, I fully – second that begrudgingly yeah. second that and agree with that yeah yeah it's just true story but yep i that's one of my my favorite little taco spots here in tampa nice good to know next time i'm i'm in uh that area i will have to check it out um kendall you if someone isn't already me. following you i will i will um uh, if someone isn't already following you on social media where's the best place for them to connect with you 
I think the best, the best, blah, 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 I can't even speak. The best place to start is Instagram because what's great about Instagram is on my bio page, I have my link tree and link tree links out to everything else. So everywhere. Um, and it takes you everywhere, all around the world or back. So definitely <laughs> find us on Instagram. I think it's just my name, Kendall E. Bonner. And um, let's connect. Send me a DM if you need help with anything, ideas. Um, I, I'd love to connect referrals, you know, to Tampa. I'll take those too. And uh, be happy to send them back to you as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate all of the nuggets you dropped. Um, and I'm excited to uh, dig into that podcast as well as hopefully some tacos the next time I'm in Florida. So thank you so much. Thank you, Katie. You're the best. Appreciate you.